Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Hey guys, just a quick note to say this episode was recorded pre-COVID-19, so if there's anything that seems really out of place as you're listening back, that is why. So as you're staying home and listening to Obsessed Show, please stay safe and healthy. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on Obsessed Show, I'm chatting with principal consultant at Illig, Ed Illig. Ed is a marketing and brand design strategist, outsourced fractional marketing lead, problem solver, revenue driver, creative leader, experienced creator. His bio actually goes on and on and on, and I'm gonna just end it there because he does all the things. I'm excited today to have Ed here in person. Um, so without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Ed Illick. Okay, kids, live from the Obsessed Show studio just outside of Indianapolis, I've got Ed Illig. Ed, welcome to Obsessed Show. Well, thanks for having me, Josh, and uh, welcome to my mind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been a big fan of yours over the years, and as a fun fact, kids, a very young Josh Miles interviewed with Ed back in the day. Uh, and I will add unsuccessfully, but uh, I've always been a fan of your work and continue to admire uh, what you're up to. So it's really cool to have you here. Thanks. And by the way, that came up recently with a former business partner that you know, Bob, and uh, he had mentioned that specifically. That was probably the best thing that ever happened for your career, <laughs> all the things you've done since then. And we missed out, but I, I think things changed in, in the climate of that hiring and just moved on. It wasn't about you. So. <laughs> Unfortunately for us. So. <laughs> Too funny. I, I definitely was excited about that, that opportunity. But, you know, I want to talk to you more about what you're up to now. Um, and it seems that you've had some interesting twists in your career over the years, at least ones that I'm aware of, including this is one I didn't know until I stalked your LinkedIn <laughs> earlier today. I'll admit to that, um, that you had an early stint with Interbrand. And I've I've never really sat down with you to talk about design and branding. Like we've known each other in mm -hmm. the Indianapolis design scene for a long time and bump into each other in coffee shops on occasion. So I'm glad I, I finally wrangled you. But uh, so before we get started here, I wanna hear about your origin story, how you found yourself in the world of design and branding. Well, I think it was a bit by accident, strangely enough. I was trained as an illustrator mm. and I thought I will get out into the world and illustrate back when illustration was a thing. And was it a specific kind of illustration? I could do a number of things. I still can. Yeah. Uh, and that actually boded well for me once I got out into the marketplace and interbrand, which was called Design Forum at that time, mm. became the person that owned that, ended up becoming the CEO of interbrand in North America and all that. But uh, at that time, it was all about retail store design. And that was a big part of branding. If you think about big box and oh, yeah. you know all that brick and mortar pre-internet that's a major place you would find your brand being developed. And that's where I found myself. It was in the middle of retail store design and packaging and signage and environmental design. And because I could illustrate, I could actually envision what the spaces would look like in dimensional you know, space and walk you through a store, which made me a valuable person, I suppose, at that, that time, <laughs> because I, I, that would help the clients envision what, what could happen. And from there, I just, you know, learned all sorts of things, but it really kind of was a foundational component, I think, to experiential design, which is a big part of me. Uh, once I got into technology and digital and thinking through things, 
it all came together. How do you walk somebody through an experience? Yeah, it's interesting looking through, um, I was watching through your demo reel video and you've got a lot of space design, a lot of trade show and, you know, so you see that three dimensional thinking happening and whether it's, you know, product mock-up or, you know, you, you were very much an interdisciplinary designer in spite of the fact that you didn't, I don't think you listed that on your, on your list of things that you do here, but, but it seems like you've touched a lot of pieces of design in the process. Yeah. Uh, my next job after Interbrand was a design firm and I'd never been to a design firm. I thought in some ways design forum Interbrand was, and it was, but a true design firm, as you know, because you've run one <laughs> is a, it has a certain flavor to it and, you know, different places are, have different perspectives. And I learned a lot. And one of our major clients was NCR, which is sort of a next tier IBM. I think mm -hmm. there were 6 billion at the time, which was a lot back then. Yeah. Uh, and at that time they were working on ATMs, but they were also in store. And I thought, well, this sounds familiar. And I recognize Oracle and all these heat mapping technologies and all sorts of things that were helping people go through the store and how inventory moved through and so forth. And I recognized the fact that this was almost like the matrix behind what I'd been doing all along. And that just added to my fascination with what could I do with technology, with design, and putting all these pieces together, which later became apps and Flash, and it goes on and on, then developing and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not a developer, though. I can imagine that your background as an illustrator helped you with understanding space and scale and color and value and all of those things. But, you know, typography being such a big part of graphic design and of brand, um, where was it in your career that you picked up those skills? Uh, I'd say once again, uh, college back then you had to set type by hand, so to speak, or mm. draw it out. So you, yeah. you physically felt it. it's kind of like the engineers in Germany. I understand to this day, if you're a 25 year old engineer, they put you down in the factory and you have to feel what it's like to cut the metal before you can go up and engineer anything so you understand it. I think that was a big part of it in college, but also at Design Forum Interbrand, uh, we had to create typography for signage and packaging, mm. and there was still a fair amount of hand feel to it, even though some of it was automated and so forth. You had to understand how letter forms fit together. So yeah, kind of ingrained in me. Yeah, and then with um, all of your agency experience, then most most recently before you went back out on your own, you were with a company here in Indy called Amplify. Yes. Um, what was that like moving to an in-house role after all of the agency and consulting roles? Right. And and I'd owned a, a design firm agency here in town that you're aware of. You interviewed yeah, there, right. as, you, as you mentioned. <laughs> so that was very much, it was called Brainstorm, and you know we thought very forward thinking was what we hoped to do every day. And when I left there, I was uh, pulled into a place called Merkel, which is MarTech. Mm -hmm. And we were there to help bring creative to the forefront because they, you know, you've got Ogilvy's and Digitas and they're all coming at it from a different angle, but creative is uh, not necessarily strong suit. So that led to understanding more and more about how to drive an engine, which fascinated me to, you know, how to create a digital engine and so forth and portray that to a client so they could understand it, which then led to product at another stint at a, another large creative firm. But eventually all of that, I think, prepared me to end up at, at Amplify 
And moreover, uh, my son works there, mm-hmm. and he was there when it was Blue Bridge, right. which, which was uh, bought or graded rather and sold off to business units along the way. And the guy that runs it that I think you know as well yeah. is Santiago or Santi, as I call him. Yeah. I still don't know, think I, I pronounce his last name properly, but <laughs> Harmelio. But anyway, he's a brilliant guy. And uh, I knew him before he was Santi, I think, because he eventually was, you know, 30 under 30 yeah. in Inc. Magazine and visited the White House and all that good stuff. Very but impressive guy. Yes. He asked me to consider coming there as a lead, you know, VP of marketing. And they were in A-series, you know, high growth and moving mm-hmm. along. That that was just a fascinating thing because I, I love working with people typically in their mid-20s. It's just I enjoy it a, a yeah. ton. Um, I call myself the new millennial because I, <laughs> a lot of my kids have grown up so I can move around, do whatever I want kind of thing. So I just love the way they think. And some of them are just so brilliant. Uh, I've really enjoyed that kind of atmosphere. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect. And now um, – back to your own thing back to illig so yeah um is is your plan to grow that are you intentionally staying small or what what's kind of your your thoughts on the scale there not real sure i i i have figured out that i like working with the people i like working with Mm -hmm. so if I like people, <laughs> that's a huge, <laughs> and so I'm working with Bob, oh, you, yeah. and I, you and I know, my former business partner. I don't work with him all the time, but I'll, I'll do some work with him, and we talk to each other frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another guy that hired me out at Merkel, the MarTech company. He was CMO there, CMO of FrontPoint, former managed partner of uh, Ogilvy, and he's broken out on his own just about the same time I did. And the two of us talk again almost every day. Uh, and it's just nice because they have different skill sets with people than I do. So I don't feel like I've got to go out and just hammer the road all the time. Mm-hmm. So that work doesn't seem to be a problem bringing it in. It's more what kind of work. And that's what I wanted to do is just be able to focus more on really serving clients in a way that I really enjoy and that they benefit from. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what types of work you're doing today and kind of what things you're focusing on. Well, uh, I've worked with a couple beverage companies. I'd say they're small to mid-market, small business to mid-market. Lots of enterprise uh, healthcare, strangely enough, and financial, Mm -hmm. uh, and and a couple companies that actually merge financial and healthcare. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to get into all that, but I I never thought I'd do so much healthcare in my my career, but it just seems to come to me at some level. So. Uh, apps and just branding ground up, uh, all sorts of things. So bottles and designs, and it, it's it's been a real mix, which I mm-hmm. enjoy. So some of it's very technologically challenging or uh, thought-provoking in just different ways. Do you feel like you're doing um, more strategy work? Or are you doing more design and implementation or kind of a fair mix of both? Fair mix of both. Uh, I, I don't think I'd survive too long personally in my mind if I wasn't thinking through some strategy it seems to yeah. be a, a bane of my existence that I want <laughs> to do that but I, I I like thinking everything about what I do I think it goes back to that real retail store design how do yeah. I get the person from here to the milk in the back and make them buy things all along the way that they they need and enjoy so that that thought of integration and experiential design is kind of who I am and the strategy bakes into that so I meant to ask you this before we hit the record button, but I'm curious if you have any 
like case studies or recent clients that would be a, a fun story to tell us about? Hmm. Recent clients, let's see. Or maybe not so, just fun stories. <laughs> oh, okay, fun story. Well, uh, are you thinking just over my career or just, yeah. well, you said recent. So. Yeah, I did say recent. but Yes, maybe my most recent would be uh, working on the platform up in, it was in Minneapolis, and it, it was a rewards loyalty platform that had become commoditized with banks and healthcare. And... Uh, at the core of it was a rewards loyalty. So for banks, it was more about, you know, wealthy, affluent people finding ways to spend their points. And for healthcare, it's changing behavior, two very different markets, but came in with a kind of a SWAT team of people I'd worked with before. And we just worked with the solution architect and the developers to reimagine the entire product, redeploy it, redesign it, and reintroduce it into the market. Uh, that was very gratifying and satisfying, I guess, as a design and business person for me. And strategically, I, I ended up going out to healthcare plans and pitching it because one of the individuals on the team that was an expert couldn't contractually go talk to them for certain reasons. So I was thrown into the mix. And yeah. so I was doing all sorts of things to move that along. That that was a lot of fun. So again, going back to things that I've seen just in your in your portfolio between brand design or strategy or space design or trade show, you know, physical products, interfaces, you've, you've done so many different things in your career. What, what's like your go-to? So if you just had to pick one of those or maybe one or two of those to focus on for the future, what, what would be like your, your jam? What's your favorite? Probably all of it, but I'd say it, it's, it's one of those things where, well, I like to work on engines, so I start with a hex nut, and that's the logo. And the next thing I know, well, what what am I doing with the logo? And then where does that go? And what's it? Yeah. It's the whole package and whatever form that takes, as long as it's interesting to me and to the client and to the end user, whoever that might be, uh, that I'm not just knocking something out. I'm, yeah. I, I don't enjoy execution. If I do too much of it, I start realizing I'm the person that will miss the typo or what. It's not who I am. Uh, so too much repetition is great. One time I actually built an Excel file with all sorts of pivot tables and all kinds of things. <laughs> I gave it to my accounting person and she said, that's great. I think I'll just go ahead and use the one I've already been using. And, <laughs> and once I knew how to build all those pivot tables, I decided I don't ever want to do that again. So for me, it was a Rube Goldberg puzzle. Yeah. So I, something as strange as that can interest me. Yeah. It's figuring solutions out and problem solving is always at the core. So I guess that's where the strategy comes in, mm -hmm. but it's always got to be designed well, which is tantamount to that. It's, if it's not functional, the whole form and function thing, it's, it's, it's a real, it's for real. <laughs> <laughs> there might be something to that whole, yes. whole form and function thing. <laughs> yes. Again, so many different client types. I'm, I'm curious if you have um, a proudest professional moment or anything in particular that really sticks out to you that surprised you in your career. Uh, two in their projects. Uh, there, and I don't know if that's going to, I'll try and be short because they, yeah. I could get long winded on yeah. this. But no, tell us about it. We've got yeah. lots of digital <laughs> tape here. Okay. Uh, one was for Motorola. So back in the day, this is flash days, the end of, end, of, end of flash days, but we were very well known for that at that oh, time. Yeah. Very high experiential It was very sites. hot when I was getting started. Yes, <laughs> yes. And at that time, 
uh, Motorola needed to, they had huge call center costs. And what we developed for them was something we called MIMS or manuals in motion. And this, this really typifies, I think, kind of how I think. So we had developers because we were building websites before people, design firms were really doing that. We were doing that very early on. So our developers, you know, they're developing, they're C plus plus level people. Mm. And I had a friend, Raul, that was a mathematician from Santiago, Chile, just brilliant guy. He had worked in Cobalt on mainframes, brought him into the fray. There was a young woman from Motorola that I brought in that could read engineering drawings and they reverse engineered these phones hmm. so that they were clickable. Well, nobody had done that before. What they became in essence were rapid prototypes. We then oh, said, why don't you take this to your sales team because they can learn before they actually build a phone and be prepared when you go into market. And oh, by the way, we're beginning to find bugs. <laughs> and so the marketing team could walk down the hall with their chest puffed out to the engineers and say, you know, if you build this, it could cost us millions to go back and retool. So it was very, very valuable to them, which made me tick as a business person, a problem solver. People thought I was crazy. You know, what, what, what's with this mathematician guy and this young <laughs> engineer lady. And, you know, it was an eclectic group of people, but, and, and then the designers, but they're all very smart people. So the flash person, Handed off to the developers that were C plus plus. We were developing in develop uh, in uh, uh, what was it director at the time, which is oh, based yeah. on Logos, which is uh -huh. a C plus plus language based uh, platform. So this it was like a tool. What I was building was a tool stack of people, processes, and things. Not mm -hmm. just me, but our whole team. Yeah, but it was very fulfilling, I guess, because it it was design with teeth. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's interesting to me in that going back to your accountant example where you felt the need to build the pivot table yourself. And in this, in this instance, you went out and got all the specialized people to kind of create the human <laughs> pivot table version, yes. all, the, all the pieces right. working together and, you know, assembling the team. So it's not just that you are obsessed with finding the solution yourself, but, you know, saw it broadly enough to, to pull all the right people in to pull that off. Yeah. It was a design in and of itself. Yeah. The team was a design making sure that the, the high level designers could work with the high level developers and not, you know, think they're from strange strangers from another planet or something, they, <laughs> which just, they may have been. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they successfully fooled each other or me or themselves or what have you. So <laughs> nice. And then you said you had another one off the top of your head. Uh, another one, Lumina. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lumina yeah. here in town. Lumina foundation was a big client at the time. One of our foundation uh, nonprofit type clients. Um, I think they're in the, top 40 or so in foundations across the country. Anyway, they had an initiative or rather a, a person they were working with from the university of Texas, I believe brilliant PhD studying Latinos, uh, access to higher education in mm -hmm. the, in the world at large, in the United States specifically, they had some huge goals they wanted to hit. It was kind of their core mission. And they came to us with a white paper in essence, or a stack of them and put it on our conference table and said, can you put this on the internet somewhere? And we looked at it and said, yeah, we could build a wiki. We could do all sorts yeah, of things, right. but what are you trying to do? And they named about 10 audiences that basically was everybody from kindergarten to PhDs and college and high school and adults <laughs> and business people right. and, and politicians that they wanted to touch with this. So we built a 
a very integrated, again, at that time, I'm going back to the flash. Remember, mm-hmm. I've also worked in this age, <laughs> but the, it was, it was complex, but we built a, a platform that Hillary Clinton ended up, I think, using on the Hill oh, and, wow. uh, to, you know, put that out there. We also pre-planned, we're going to enter this in award ceremonies, not for ourselves, but for the client. Mm-hmm. And it ended up winning an international awards against the biggest agencies in the world. And, uh, that got them the PR they needed. So it was a high success. You know, and yet there were front end parts that you could play in front of a six-year-old and they would get the almost like an ad console, simple mm. message. Yeah. And then it got deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where in the back end, you could actually do PhD level work off of this site slash presentation tool yeah. thing that we'd imagined from a stack of papers. So that that again was sort of, design and then it was beautiful to look at it was yeah. just beautiful to look at and interact with and uh all the things as you put it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> nice um so i'm curious if you had or maybe have now any design heroes or other firms agencies designers that you looked up to um maybe that inspired you to do all this interdisciplinary work or just anybody aesthetically you're just a fan of? Uh, I, nobody ever jumps to mind. You just called me on that. <laughs> this is my, I, it, my, again, my business partner, Bob always remembers all the, the people and he'll espouse them and say, remember this guy. And you're, Oh, that's the guy that, that, you know, launched my career. What's his name again? So <laughs> I, I don't remember them. I'm not a hero kind of a guy, but things influence me a lot. And I'm probably, again, this would be probably a better answer to that question is people like yourself or my business partner or anybody that's ever started a business in design. And there's a camera, I don't have to ask you a bunch of questions. I know things you had to go through to get to your dream and and make it happen. So those things, those are heroics to me, I guess. That's a good answer. I don't if they're really good ever. at design, which you are. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that keeps it in the design realm. I'm also impressed by people like Santi, but you know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Very cool. It's a, that's a very unique answer to that question. Well done. Um, so one of my favorite questions to ask everybody who's on this show, and your answer to this can be something design related, could just be life in general. Um, but I'm curious what you find you are most obsessed with right now. Uh, that same business partner, uh, a friend of mine is, is building a, a, uh, vacation spot in a destination area mm-hmm. and watching him go through that process. I'm realizing that should be my dream. Not his. <laughs> he's, he's building, the, he's designing it and the architectural plans yeah. and figuring it out and working through it made a logo for it. It's up in the trees and he's thinking about all the experiences people could have at that place when he rents it. And yeah. I'm beginning to realize that's the culmination of all the things I might like doing. Yeah. Uh, it, that I'm obsessed with thinking about, you know, I've dabbled in real estate, but it's been a lot more rudimentary than mm-hmm. that. Right. <laughs> he is like buy a rental and flip it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's supposed to build a right. dream home. That's yes. amazing and branded. And yeah. That other people just would enjoy and watching how they interact with it. So that, I'm kind of obsessed with that because it, it's a culmination of so many design elements and, and a little bit of business and it's got a recurring revenue model. Built yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is better than most design firms. <laughs> yes. That's not project to project and all. Yeah. Right. 
uh yeah that that looks like an amazing project so if bob's okay with it we'll yeah. we'll link his progress <laughs> photos in the show notes or something so yes. we can we can show off his place because yeah I, that's definitely on my list of places to check out when it's when it's ready to go does does he know when it's going to be done yet or does he have a target? i think he's within months okay you know, a few yeah, months out i thought so. it was getting close so by the time this airs maybe maybe we'll be pretty close um what about um, you know, for me, a dream project that I don't know if I'll ever get around to was I always thought like doing branding for an airline would be amazing because like you could do a logo and then you could see the logo fly over. Yes. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, it's pretty big. And then like the identity needs to go everywhere and all the thinking about everything else an airline would need. Um, what are your dream projects? Are there any, any things that you haven't touched yet that, that you would like to still work on? I don't know. That's another, that's kind of like the design hero thing where for me, it's whatever's next that mm -hmm. fits all the things that seem to make me tick. Um, what, whatever that I'm, I'm always, you know, sometimes I'll talk about, I've reinvented myself a number of times over my career, but that's really not the truth. I think I'm actually yeah. just unfolding myself forever. Mm -hmm. I don't stop. I don't, I don't look at myself as when is this, when is this? End? I mean, some days if you know, you're not having a good day. It's like, when does this end? But for the most <laughs> part, I'm, I'm just always looking for what's the next design project that brings everything together to, to make a bit. And it's always got a business side to it so that I can kind of measure it or think about it wasn't just pure design mm -hmm. because I love doing that. But I, I've come to learn that I, I enjoy the structure of a creative brief or whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've had plenty of clients say, well, you know, you're creative. Just do whatever you want. Just make it amazing. I'm like, that Be is careful the what you worst possible <laughs> brief I've ever heard. Like I want to, yeah. I want to know generally where does success lie? Right. Give, me, give me some definition of that. We can agree on that. This is going to be something good, but I love that, that thing you just said, that's going to become a quote at this point, this idea of unfolding yourself. I think yeah. that that is a really interesting way of looking at it. Yep. Um, what about, you know, turns out every day is not perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes there are rough spots. Um, how do you get yourself out of that headspace when you've had, had a rough go of a project or client or revision didn't go the way you wanted it to? Like, how do you kind of get yourself back, back on the right path? Uh, well, what I hope to do is really that, that brief that I mentioned, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that I would extend that to respect for project managers, account mm -hmm. people, uh, as salespeople put it, the upfront contract, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Understanding, because sometimes you can fall into something where I think they were really looking for someone to just execute or mm -hmm. they had their idea. They've already solved this in their head. Right. But they've, you know, explained it as if they don't know what to do, but they know what they're going to do. Yeah, and and that's what you better do. That avoiding that up front helps avoid it in the middle. But I think your question's probably more pointed. Like, well, what do you do once you're in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's uh, hopefully mitigated by a lot of that. Uh, but I'll I'll still turn to that in the midst of it. It's a partner. It's a handshake with the client, even if they're the worst client in the world. You've you've yeah, got right. people. People are people, and they're in the middle of it and trying to get it back to what should we be doing, focusing on, or doing here. That's that's the most important thing, even within myself. Mm -hmm. And that might be acquiescing, saying, "Hey, I had hopes and dreams for this. It looks like they're not going to be what I had hoped. Yeah, but I need to deliver the best I can always." And 
I'll have to understand whether I need to move on from this or mm-hmm. stick with it or try to, you know, change how things are happening. So, so I, uh, you know, the, the client who, I feel like I should point out that I have a co-host with me today. I don't have a sniffle. I have a very small, hairy companion. <laughs> that is one that beautiful I, dog. That's <laughs> a very cool dog. Yeah. So I'm, I'm dog sitting today as I <laughs> as I host a podcast. So he's he's occasionally commenting. Maybe you'll hear more from him in a minute. Um, but I call that the just problem when a client comes to you and they already have it in their head, and they're like, "Well, I I just need somebody to make the logo, or I just need somebody to clean it up, or I just need." Um, are there other, and I would call that a red flag. So when I see that kind of thing, even if I'm taking it on, at least I know that that's what I'm taking on. Um, are there other red flags that you look out for that would be things that help you stray away from a bad fit? Well, if they're not interested in any sort of discovery, whatever that might mean, even if it's just conversation, it's that jumping to solution. Uh, if they can't seem to get past that and we keep coming back to they're solving the problem and we don't know what the problem is. I'm yeah. pretty big on what is the problem. That, that's what happened with Lumina. They were dying to get this out into the world. But as I asked questions and they were open-minded, mm-hmm. smart people, they, they said, Oh, well, if we could do, this would be my dream almost as if, but it can't happen. But I'd yeah. look, they define, they created a creative brief in front of me. And that tells you that client is somebody worth working with because mm-hmm. they, they understand what their goal is, even if they don't know how to get there. I, that's now I can help you. So I think just any, all that early detection stuff is huge. Try, you know, mm-hmm. do they have, it can be as simple as do they have a, a credit problem? Or are they about to go bankrupt? Oh, right. <laughs> if there's a we way to know that you, right now, yeah, you'd like you know, lots of money. Yeah. We're the last pe- people you were talking to because no one else <laughs> will talk to you because they all, they're all in on it. I guess that's just everything about discovery is important. I've come to find more and more and more No, knowing the people, what kind of people they are, are they nice people to work with? That all tells me if that, and maybe I'm at that point in my career where I'm mm-hmm. looking for that more, you know, you can look at that when you can look for that when you're 23 as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just takes a while to get it in your head. But I think diagnostics are huge to me and they take many forms. Yeah. It's uh, I know there are times in my career, you know, when the agency was of a certain size and you think, well, we just need to bring another project in and it's tougher to be selective or at least you think in your head at the moment, like it's tougher to be selective, but, but yeah, Absolutely. I think that's that's a really important thing. And, and to that point, if you don't mind me jumping in on that, yeah, I, I distinctly remember there was a, a time, uh, and I have no problem with this, I'm not saying anything, but it, it was either alcohol or t- tobacco or something like that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a huge alcohol co- uh, component to it. it. Actually, it had to be now that I'm thinking about it. A couple of our employees, more than one, approached us, the owners, about um, – how there was alcoholism in their family and, and they just weren't keen on working on that. It was a, a huge opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. And we decided to walk away, not like we were better than anybody else, but we recognized we're all in this together. The brainstorm was a bit yeah. of a family, I think at that level, uh, it had a hierarchy and how we all worked and all that, but there was also a respect and the dividends you don't really expect come out of that. Like I, I, I felt Strangely, that I think people, if, if they're already incredibly invested in the, in the firm, were 10 times as invested because they recognized they were important in our decision. You know, you don't just walk away from potential money or a, an opportunity uh, 
So I think integrity in design, integrity with people, integrity just becomes this strange, subtle thing, but it's actually everything. And it's hard to adhere to it, like you said. Sometimes, hey, we got payroll. What are we getting? So you can fool yourself into, we'll make this into a good thing. And and you have to go through those lessons, too, and and learn it. Because you can invest that time somewhere else, too. Yeah, I don't think we ever had any examples. I've I've heard of other agencies that, you know, have had some pretty dramatic firings of clients. Right. Um, and I always felt like, you know, we we had pretty pretty nice cordial mm-hmm. partings of way. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, just try to try to keep it respectful and professional and all those things. But but even even those cases where it, you know it's not a big deal, it's not big fireworks, but it was amazing what a lift there is to the culture of the agency when a bad fit isn't any longer somebody you've got to work with, you know, the team who's just, you know, the sense of relief or the weight that's lifted off their shoulders. So, yeah. And when they see that you're striving, if if your, if your core is design and you're trying to be great at it and Mm -hmm. not just run of the mill, because there's plenty of nice run of the mill people making good, solid money, but that's their, that's their approach to the marketplace. But when you're trying to be exceptional, in the design world and design, whatever that means to you, yeah. to go on and on about that. You're looking for staff that shares that passion. Right. And if you don't adhere to that passion, do you really expect to continue to attract that? It's kind of a circuitous <laughs> right. problem. So. Yeah. If you'll take on anything, then, then maybe just anyone won't come work for you. Or maybe just anyone. Yes. <laughs> See, I'll take that quote. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this question is kind of based on that scene in the matrix where he's got the opportunity to take the red pill or the blue pill. And, you know, you take the one and you kind of change the way you see forever. And then you take the other one and it all goes away. And I, I feel like as designers, we've sort of permanently taken the pill where we can't unsee good design and bad design. So right. it's sort of a, nice tie into what we were just talking about. Um, I'm curious if there's anything or trends or anything that you've seen forever that just kind of drives you crazy. Anything that in the design world that just makes you bonkers. Uh, maybe a lack of respect sometimes on, because of digital and uh, people mm-hmm. can go on and on about that. And I'm a pretty digital minded person, but there's a point at which, do you really believe that after the digital engine churns everything and delivers at the right time, the right moment that you just don't need a big idea or you don't need great design or something that touches that person or what have you and just go get a designer insert design here and the machine will take care of it. Right. Uh, granted AI at some point may prove me wrong at some (laughs) level, but but I'm not there yet. I, I will probably be dead and gone. Although the faster things move, yeah. I have AI clients. So some of the things they're doing are scaring me uh, just on other levels. But um, I guess that is one of the things where it's, it's created, a, a, you know, there was a time when you couldn't be a designer unless you had skill. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, if you couldn't handle that type, like we were talking about earlier, knowing how to spec specify type because you couldn't do it on a computer. You sent it to someone else that did it. Yeah. And it came back to you. That teaches you a lot of things, uh, how to illustrate without using digital. Uh, but digital is great because it's allowed so many people to enter the field and so forth. But it, when it gets to a tipping point that it's now all about MarTech and not about, you know, oh, the Ogilvy's or the, you know, I don't want to pick on Ogilvy. 
any ad agency yeah. that came up in the Mad Men sort of thinking era, because they they have much more to. <laughs> it should not have brought them up. <laughs> I feel bad about that. Um, you know, the Mad Men era as as things have changed. Yeah, I think it's it's incredibly important to remember people still can reach out to human beings through experiences and uh, all that good stuff. So that's probably what drives me crazy is not all the time, but if, when I see that raise its ugly head kind of between people, uh, as opposed to realizing you could supercharge this if both teams, so to speak, are working together. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we see that in every wave of technology. I remember kind of the first wave of the web 2.0 stuff where everything just looked the same and all the buttons were just big and obnoxious. And it was like, who can click the social media button the fastest. Right. And it's just, you know, and then every wave and every time we see that new technology kind of move through, it's kind of with the spirit of the times and, and it feels like design goes out the window only to come right back. You know, it's in the moment, it's all about the technology. And then five minutes later, like, oh, but now everybody's doing the exact same thing. So we need that design to differentiate. Or a new technology comes out and guess what? It's not conducive to the last design solution that everybody's doing. So, you know, the Google flat design, we suddenly have to move across all sorts of interfaces and, and, you know, devices. Yeah you need to start thinking about simplicity then does the flat design and, and all that material design come into play and then that'll change so yeah so let's imagine we're in in your nightmare and you can no longer design <laughs> <laughs> what what else do you think you would be doing if you weren't designing i have a i have a feeling because people say this to me a fair amount uh and it also sort of proved out in this i don't know if you've ever done the enneagram or enneagram oh, uh-huh. what have you yeah so I'm a four, uh, but when I first read through it, I thought I'm a five. Yeah, I would have pegged you as a five because yes. that's me. <laughs> yes, and so I started looking at it, and then I was like, no, as I read it, I'm clearly a four with a lot of five inclinations, yeah, right. which is tends to be an investigator, I guess, if I was to roll yeah. it up to a given mm-hmm. word, and four is a little bit of like the, tip, you know, it's like stereotypical creative, and yeah. I don't know about moody, but I can get, I can get too invested and, you know, the world's going to fall apart. And then an yeah. hour later, it's like, why did that bother me so yeah. much? And a little it, roller coaster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where okay. the investigator, I'm constantly, you know, wait, what's, what's the problem here? Why yeah. are we solving this before we know the problem? I enjoy unearthing things. I go, wow. Aha. Look at that. And yeah. boy, I can take this over to my four and he sure is going to enjoy that. <laughs> so, right. so playing between those two. So I would imagine some sort of investigation. You're like a work. four and a half. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somehow I got back to your question. I think I'd be yeah. an investigator of something. I don't know about criminal yes. or something, some sort of investigation. Awesome. I always loved the the criminal profiler shows. And yes. The, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that way about marketing sometimes. Or I, I would treat, um, when we were trying to hire somebody, I would describe people that way. Okay, well, they've probably been an agency for seven to 10 years. And they probably know these people and do these kind of things and right. these kind of hobbies. And, yep. you know, they're not quite happy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not unhappy. Yeah. Um, where do you go um, when you get stuck or you're just looking for fresh inspiration or you want to step away? Like, what's your what's your happy place? Uh, I think for me, I mean, I might browse Pinterest or something and then I get lost in it and realize I'm, you know, I started out looking for headphones and now I'm looking at paintings from some, (laughs) I think, okay, I got to stop this. So I, I, uh, move on, but I'd say more so inspiration for me is just walking around in the world, 
Mm. You know, I see a, a freckly redheaded child and they're wearing a yellow rain jacket and in Ed's mind, I, I start thinking, well, that child is cute, but aren't all redheaded, small, freckly <laughs> children cute. It's the raincoat adds some new dynamic. Oh. So I'm processing all this and then somehow I make some leap to, and that could really help on this phone thing I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people, how did you make that leap? I don't know. And I think it comes back. I used to do memorization as I oh, grew up uh-huh. on a peninsula and my friend and I read a book called the memory book oh, where yeah. you could memorize a hundred items and uh-huh. you, you say number 74 and I'd say glass or, you know, table. And that, that sort of association I think has helped me kind of put eight things together and come up with a, you know, three more and it's that sort of thing. That's really interesting. I've heard, um, I don't know if it's the same book that, but this concept of the memory palace where you kind of like look around the room and you picture all the things and you associate the thing with a number or with a, yes, with something as well. Yeah. Is that sort of exercise? Okay. Let's take this a little bit of different direction. I'm curious if you have either a favorite piece of advice that you've received in your career or maybe a favorite piece of advice that you like to share with uh, fellow employees or other young designers? Well, that's a big one. Uh, Strangely enough, my mind ran back to Interbrand Design Forum. I had a supervisor and he came out one day and said to me two or three sentences that stuck with me for some reason ever since. And one was, don't ever lie. I was like, okay, yeah, I won't, okay. I won't lie. Check. I don't know what was on his mind that day. So I, yeah, check. Is like lying is a problem here. Yes. And, and then he said, uh, so you like to illustrate because I was fresh out of school mm-hmm. and he knew that. And he said, if you want to do illustration, you're designing here. And when we do design here, we do three concepts. We do the one that the cu- customer wanted mm-hmm. and then two more because we see ourselves as the best sales force in the firm. Mm more so than the new business people and the account people and everything else, because it was a philosophy there. Yeah. And that stuck with me for a number of reasons, like don't lie, (laughs) the golden rule and all that, (laughs) that works. It's all connected. I still wonder why you brought that one up, but it was a funny one. Uh, But the business acumen of selling something by saying, Hey, I, I, I delivered on what, and that may even answer one of your other questions earlier about, uh, Hey, if I present two or three other ideas, I have, if someone is not really thinking broadly, Mm -hmm. maybe this opens their mind and I can help them see where they could go with something and, or it just keeps continuing, you know, that could be another project. So there's a business side to it, but it also allows me to say, Hey, if you want to do illustration, design it into your piece. Yeah. Instead of using a photograph back in that day. Well, that could apply to many things. Now, if you want, if you think it should be a hybrid app or a, PW, you know, PWA, why, why don't you just put that in there because it solves a problem? Don't. Yeah. And that's part of my unfolding is I'm not, mm. I'm agnostic to media and thing. It's what's going to solve the problem. And then I try to help the client see that. So that that's a long way around, I think, to what you were asking me. Yeah. That would be advice for me is keep unfolding yourself <laughs> to use that. Don't lie. And uh, always think about how to bring added value to your client work. Yeah. Uh, because they'll, it'll make your life more enriched. So you're not just executing and just delivering, but you're providing something of value to yourself and the client. It's interesting. My first job, my first boss had very similar advice in that 
I brought him what I thought was a better idea than what the client wanted. And he said, okay, you may see this as a home run, but the (laughs) client asked you kindly for a base hit. So before we show them the home run, we have to first show them the base hit. And ideally we've got one or two other things in our back pocket that we think are better ideas and no, don't ever show them something you hate, but at least show them what they ask for before we show them the thing that is way above and beyond what they wanted us to do in the first place, what they hired us for. Right. Which also pays dividends if you send that designer out to help in the pitch because they get to firsthand see. Yeah, right. <laughs> see like, when you didn't oh, deliver what right. they asked for, feel that's what exactly. the account person feels like every single day you don't do that. Yeah, good news, bad news. We had a small enough shop that I was usually there to yeah. see it firsthand. Yep. So I got it's to invaluable. go back with the tail between the legs when when my amazing, in air quotes, idea right. <laughs> was not received as amazing because right. it was way more than they wanted. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I just remember this one specific print ad for a bank that was kind of a visual pun with the with typography, and they were they were not amused. <laughs> I mean, like we just really needed a thing that said "in underwriter needed" or something. Like we didn't need you to play with the word. It's it's just fine. Just do what we asked. <laughs> well, hey, as we're starting to wrap up here, I'm curious if you have any. Um, encouragements or asks of our listeners uh for myself or for themselves yeah, for, them, for them yeah for them yes yeah. <laughs> uh my encouragement would be if you're if you're afraid of digital and you're you're older don't be i've done talks on that at advertising week in new york and all yeah. a bunch of ad agency people came in and they, they were you know cowering but they were afraid yeah and because i was working at a martech place and i said hey I've worked at creative firms. I ran one. I ran design firms. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you may be more valuable than you ever knew, but not if you don't get out of your own way. And I'd say taking that thinking, you know, when I'm mm-hmm. talking about digital, I'm not bashing digital, obviously, knowing my career, but uh, the thinking of seeing yourself as where can you find the value in what you do and bring it to the table oh, sure. and deliver on it. I think that encouragement that things change quickly, but some things don't change as much as you think, like quality, integrity, yeah. high design, and design as in solving problems, mm-hmm. not just aesthetically. So Nice. Uh, well, Ed, before we let you go, tell us where our friends and listeners can find you on the interwebs and connect with you online. Yes. Well, I have a rudimentary site up because I'm so busy, but, but it does have the video. You saw the video, yeah. uh, which I had fun making. It, it, strangely, I made that in Keynote. Oh, really? <laughs> Just produced it. Yes. Wow. So if you watch it again, think about that for a second. The whole thing. Well, now is my key- mind is blown. Yes. <laughs> now, there is a video that I put in there from a client. I think it was a U.S. bank or yeah. in the middle. Of, I didn't make that in Keynote, but okay. I inserted it. So anyway, fun little tidbit. If, if anybody goes to the, my site, it's illig.com design i-l-l-i-g dot design but yeah so now you can see the video and wonder what was he thinking yeah and then (laughs) you've got links to all your other social media at illig dot design as well right yeah yep yeah excellent well ed it was a pleasure catching up with you thanks for being on the show today hey this was awesome this was really cool i really appreciate being asked and fun stuff and thank you for being obsessed with design Okay, kids, that's episode number 138 in the books. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, 
add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show is produced by yours truly, Josh Miles. To have me speak or MC at your next event, head over to joshmiles.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. There's an imminent storm. It's unavoidable.